Welcome to Getting Credit, a podcast focusing on financial markets, corporate credit, and timely insights from Pacific Funds. Here's your host, Dominic Nolan, CEO of Pacific Asset Management, the sub-advisor for the Pacific Funds Fixed Income Strategies. Hello, and welcome to number 38. In the next 10 minutes, we will cover a rough first quarter for the markets, talk about inflation, the Federal Reserve, and conclude with thoughts on fixed income. Let's begin. All right, let's touch on what was a pretty rough quarter for capital markets. Despite a rebound in March for the S&P, which was just up about three and change during March, it was still down almost 5% for the quarter. The NASDAQ heavy Russell 1000 growth index was up about 4% in March, but still ended the quarter down 9%. So tech continues to get hit. Hands down, though, the story of the first quarter were the fixed income markets. The Bloomberg Aggregate Bond Index was down almost 3% in March alone. That month would represent one of the worst years for that index. And for the year, it's down almost 6%, and the route is continuing in April. High-yield bonds were off 1% in March and remained down almost 5% for the year. Meanwhile, floating rate loans were up four basis points in March and for the year off 10 basis points. So that asset class has held in quite well. As of today, we're setting up for probably one of the worst bond market years since the index started tracking, unless something breaks and rates start to decline. The fortunate part, though, is yields are finally higher. High-yield bonds right now crossed over 6% from a yield-to-worst standpoint. Double B credits, which are the higher credit quality tranche of the high-yield market, is currently yielding over 5%. Meanwhile, investment-grade credit yields are a little over 35 with triple B yields up about to about 4%. So we are returning to what some people would call normalization, but others might call it an opportunity. Let's turn to inflation. The question I get a lot is, are you expecting inflation to remain higher for longer? My answer would be elevated for longer. There's two elements here. First, you have price increases, which in my opinion will stay increased or higher for longer. And then there's the rate of inflation. My expectation is that we will start to see a deceleration in the rate of inflation in the second half of this year. So you may start to see things like, is this peak inflation? That doesn't mean prices will start going down. It, what it means is the rate of price increases will start to go down. And we're beginning to see some signs of that. So when you actually look through to energy futures, shipping rates, excluding fuel, they're coming off their highs. And a lot of that may be that we're finally getting demand destruction due to these higher prices. So with this inflation picture, let's chat a little bit about the Fed, which has been a big driver of this volatility, in my opinion. So the Fed minutes for the March meeting came public. And judging from those, I'd say this summer, the Fed is probably going to be very aggressive. And that has elevated rates across the curve, which is certainly impacting equity prices. I want to address the Fed in two areas. The first area, short-term rates or the overnight rate. Right now, 50 basis points of a hike is on the table for the May meeting. But the real, I think, concern for the markets is the Fed moving beyond neutral. So right now, 
you'd say base case is that neutral Fed funds rate is in the two and a quarter to two and a half range. So that is eight quarter point moves from where we are today. And then in the minutes, the term they used in getting there was, quote, expeditiously. So that tells me the Fed is going to move these eight rate hikes pretty quickly. But also on the table is the Fed saying they may make conditions tight, meaning they would move beyond two and a quarter to two and a half. And that to me is is of importance, especially when you consider yield curve tightening conditions and possibility of recession beyond that. So that's the first area of the Fed. The second area is on the, the long maturity side, which the balance sheet is the primary mechanism to influence the long end of the curve. The Fed indicated that QT or quantitative tightening is going to begin in May. Base case is the ramp up is going to be three months to get to $95 billion a month, $60 billion in treasuries, $35 billion in mortgage backs. For some context, when they did quantitative tightening just a few years ago, it took a year to get to $50 billion a month. So this is going to be much faster pace and a much higher level. So this is going to be a very aggressive summer, in my opinion, for the Federal Reserve. The market is adjusting to this aggressive monetary policy. Inflation expectations seem to be elevated, and you're seeing this move in rates across the curve. Now, within that, you have what you're hearing about is curve inversion, meaning rates on the shorter end are higher than rates on the longer end. Right now, or as we speak, the two-year and 10-year curve is slightly inverted. I would really call it flat. In my opinion, the two-year curve reflects a very aggressive Fed policy, and that may be a little overzealous, in my opinion. If you have any sort of softening or inflation dying down over the next year or two, you could see the front end of the curve get less aggressive, and then you're back to a normal curve. The real thing to watch here, in my opinion, is the rate of inflation. If inflation starts to wane and the economy is functioning properly, you have short-term rates sitting in the low to mid-twos, the Fed might say they're going to stick at neutral and the curve, the long end rates are two and a half to three, you end up with a pretty healthy curve. However, if inflation accelerates from here, then the Fed is going to be forced to be even more hawkish and they may end up pushing short-term rates to much higher than two and a half. And in my opinion, you'd probably have an inverted curve and then essentially a recession to follow. As I speak today, to me, it's the rate of inflation that's going to, to matter materially over the next two to three months. I want to shift gears a little bit and chat about various sectors of the economy. And again, using Bank of America's daily credit card data through the end of March, we took a look at spending over the past three years. So since April of 2019, general spending was up 22% compared to that time period. So that's pretty healthy. But when you look through the subsectors, clear winners over the past three years, online retail up 80%. Online electronics up 40 to 50, gasoline up 40, furniture up 30, and general retail up 20 to 30. You think about the winners, a lot of work from home influencing that, obviously gas prices and the online presence, the digital acceleration. Restaurants were also up over 25%. When you look through to some sectors that underperformed, as you can imagine, airlines were up only 8% relative to 2019. Entertainment has been pretty flat. Department stores are down. Clothing is off about 15%. You figure if you're going to the office less, you're probably buying less clothes. I think the last two declines 
to me, are really more secular in nature. So with this backdrop of inflation, the Fed, and consumer spending, want to get into the fixed income markets. For the past year and a half, we've been very uh, constructive on floating rate loans. Honestly, I think that has been more impactful than I would have guessed a year and a half ago. When you think about 2021, the aggregate index was down 1.5%. Floating rate loans were up 5.5%. So that was a delta of 700 basis points. This year, floating rate loans are flat. Meanwhile, the aggregate index is down 6%. So in the past 15 months, the difference between floating rate loans and fixed rate instruments is close to 1,300 basis points. That's a pretty significant delta. So am I still constructive on the floating rate trade? We still have a strong consumer, strong earnings, a strong job market, healthy savings, and low defaults. Corporate America is still healthy. What is keeping me comfortable with the floating rate story is the adjustment in the forward curve. And the forward curve essentially anticipates short-term rates over the next two years. As mentioned earlier, the Fed is expected to be very aggressive, and that typically increases the coupon on floating rate loans. Right now, LIBOR or SOFR is below 50 basis points. When you start to adjust for rate hike expectations, eight hikes this year, additional hikes next year, the coupon on floating rate is expected to move higher pretty aggressively. That is really what gives me comfort in the floating rate trade today. Given that, fixed rate is getting interesting. I mean, real GDP is slowing this year relative to last year. And in 2023, the Fed is expected to continue tightening conditions and nominal GDP is expected to grow at a slower pace. So you have a slowing economy over the next year to two, yet fixed rate yields are climbing. And again, this is all on the margin. Personally, I'd prefer to see some stabilization in rates or a decline in inflation or the rate of inflation, because that to me will lead to stabilization of Fed policy and I can get more comfortable with duration, but I'm not there yet. So as I speak today, high-grade credit is sitting around 4%, high-yield is sitting around 6%. Not bad, and given expectations for a slowing economy over the next two years in tightening conditions, I, again, categorize this as interesting but not attractive. I would, however, say that if your expectation for equities is in the 6 to 8% range, then I think high yield is very interesting given the coupons over 6%. And coupons are usually the best proxy for three to four-year forward returns. And given the risk of high yield versus equities, it gets to be a very compelling risk-reward trade-off when you think about the return profile. And as always, I will conclude this update with a non-economic thought. We spent a lot of time thinking about financial investing. I would say to make sure that we allocate the proper time to non-financial elements in our life and invest in those areas, our health, our mind, our relationships, and our passions. Thank you, and stay tuned. 
The views in this commentary are as of the publication date and are presented for informational purposes only. These views should not be construed as investment advice, an endorsement of any security, mutual fund, sector, or index, or to predict performance of any investment. The opinions expressed herein are subject to change without notice as market and other conditions warrant. Any performance data quoted represents past performance, which does not guarantee future results. Any forward-looking statements are not guaranteed. All material is compiled from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. All third-party trademarks referenced belong to their respective owners.